Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Dorian Wood, a multidisciplinary artist based in Los Angeles. Dorian's new album, Excessiva, is out now on Dragon's Eye Recordings. It centers on an extended piece recorded in autumn 2022 on the grounds of the McDowell Artist Residency in Peterborough, New Hampshire, specifically in an old amphitheater there. And it's a piece in which Dorian prepares some of the variables and then lets the environment do the rest which is a huge contrast to some of her other works like Arda and Reactor, where instrumentation is kind of subdued in order to allow Dorian's voice to have room to maneuver. It's wonderful to see an artist allowing all those manifestations to come out under their own name. There's no separation into different projects. If you pick up a Dorian Wood album, you don't know what you're going to get. All those multitudes are folded together under a single person, as in life. And so it's no surprise as well that Dorian's three album picks for this podcast were super eclectic. I loved listening to Dorian. She's great company. And I think you'll enjoy this one. So if you're enjoying the podcast generally, firstly, thank you. I get some really nice comments from people enjoying the show, and I'm really grateful you can also support the podcast on coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening. You can donate one off or monthly, any amount at all. Thank you so much. Okay, so enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. This is Dorian Wood on Crucial Listening. Hello, Dorian. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, We're here to talk about your three important albums. And before we get to those, I want to talk about your new album, Excessiva on Dragon's Eye. So this is one that you recorded using a microphone and an empty milk jar in an old amphitheater on the grounds of McDowell Artist Residency in Peterborough, New Hampshire back in autumn 2022 on Thanksgiving Day, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, what I read in the text. So um, could we start with your memories of the residency and of that particular day in particular? Like, take me back there. Well, I remember feeling uh, a bit of complexity. Um, and by a bit, I mean a great deal. <laughs> right. uh, in that, uh, that day was uh, what many 
people in the U.S. celebrate as Thanksgiving. And uh, I've had, you know, for a very long time, um, a big issue uh, with this particular date in that it paints a very uh, sanitized and ultimately untrue picture of the settlers arriving on these shores and uh, based on the narrative of this holiday, making peace with uh, the people who lived here, whose land uh, this has always been Mm. and completely glosses over the truth of the atrocious genocide that is um, sanitized and painted over time and time again uh, as an enormous disrespect both to you know the people who lost their lives um, during these massacres but also you know they're uh, their descendants and the people who are still with us who are yeah. still struggling to hold on to their land uh, to fight back um, for their land. And and many institutions have made an effort to um, acknowledge this, uh, this history and the actions taken by uh, the U.S. government to further colonize itself all over the world and certainly within um, these uh these lands and i feel so many of these gestures are just that they're just gestures that are meant to alleviate some guilt or really ultimately just paint a not so accurate benevolent portrayal uh of you know an intention of these institutions in that uh not to you know completely <laughs> come down on McDowell for this, but it is really bringing to light a, a, a very visible truth, which is uh, a few years ago they made a decision to drop Colony from their name. They were known for a very long time as McDowell Colony, and in their uh, their press statement, they indicated that the reason for them to drop uh, for dropping Colony is that it no longer aligned with. Um, their values and so in doing so they do a land acknowledgement of the people whose you know whose land that they're on and simultaneously on this particular day that i recorded excessiva they celebrated thanksgiving and each of the residents were given an invitation to partake in a thanksgiving feast uh, and the, the graphic had like a cornucopia and just like you know very identifiable Thanksgiving <laughs> icons on it, and no option to um, to opt out of this meal if you wanted um, to eat in your cabin, for example. You had to actually show up, and oh, wow. if you didn't want to partake in this in this dinner, then you, you know, you had the option of going in and, you know, boxing up your meal and then going back to your cabin and eating alone. Um, so there, there was no, no dialogue over this, you know, again, just business as usual type of celebration of Thanksgiving. I was so troubled by this and again, feeling conflicted and the complexity of it, as I mentioned earlier, where, you know, acknowledging that I am very much benefiting from the resources provided by McDowell uh, for this type of residency. And 
yet this just didn't sit well with me. So struggling with that, I just went for a walk and and I had this impulse to um to somehow document my, uh, my own reaction to this in a way that wasn't as pointed, um, mm. but rather as, as a sort of meditative way to um, to place a marker on this day that would allow me to sit with my thoughts, to you know, try to focus on the context of me being there. Um, being a gender fluid femme person, a brown person, a fat person on this land who is very familiar with you know, the fact that I am not typically welcome in any space and people like myself and like, you know, all of the categories, all the boxes that I want to take off, like we've had to fight for these spaces, my dowel included. Hmm. So there is again the complexity behind that you know and on the other hand i am benefiting from resources from you know from money and uh comfort um that mcdowell's providing so navigating that guilt navigating you know navigating that um problematic uh perspective i um i took one of the uh so every um so every day for lunch they have this uh, really sweet custom of dropping off a basket at your doorstep um, of of your cabin uh, with lunch and it's a beautifully prepared lunch and you uh have the option of choosing a jar of milk uh to have included in your basket and some people choose every other day some people choose every day I was one of the people that did choose a lot of milk because I do love drinking milk. And, <laughs> um, she loves milk. <laughs> and <laughs> I, uh, I I had this uh, empty milk jar um, in my cabin. And knowing the representation of that, how it's been associated with really a sort of... Um, cultural privilege to have milk delivered to you in a glass jar um and never having grown up with that um you know i've you know was you know i i grew up drinking milk out of a carton and and you know we would always hear stories of you know like the milkman delivering you know milk to uh to you know very like affluent homes in the u.s in glass containers and glass bottles and to have it delivered in this beautiful mason jar um was uh was just still something so exotic to me so um, almost impulsively i took this milk jar and i took my laptop and a microphone and i set out uh, to this to this dilapidated amphitheater on the grounds of mcdowell it was such a cold, uh, windy day. It was freezing, and you know, for my, you know, Los Angeles bones, it was extremely, extremely <laughs> cold. Um, so I bundled up as best I could, and I went for a stroll that morning. And without really overthinking it, I just, you know, I, I set up my laptop, I hooked up my microphone, I placed it into the milk jar, I placed it. Um, right where the stage would be for this amphitheater which was all 
just all grass and leaves. And I just left it there uh, recording. And I sat there and I meditated for 45 minutes. And really just not having an expectation of what any of uh, this instance would uh, would generate other than I'm just going to sit here and and think long and hard about what it is that I'm feeling, the context of me being here. Uh, and in doing so, seeing if I can emotionally connect with any ancestral energy that is present. And I, I, I'm a strong believer in ancestral energy. I believe it's around us constantly. And I believe it is a protecting energy, um, but also an energy filled with truth and history. Um, mm. And it's something that I, that I believe we become a part of ultimately once we leave this plane. So I was really sitting with this um this knowledge and this feeling and and really recognizing what i was feeling rather than trying to change it rather than trying to feed it just sitting there and acknowledging my feelings and welcoming in any energy that wanted to interfere or be present in that in that moment and 45 minutes passed, which I think was just approximately what my body could take with the extreme cold. <laughs> and, uh, and I hit, I hit stop, I hit save. Um, and I went back to my cabin and I was so grateful for that moment because it really allowed me to put things into perspective better to recognize the feelings that i had over you know this entire day you know the way it had been so like you know so callously presented to us without any option for conversation i remember actually even sending them an email and getting no response Whoa. and i really considered uh just spending the entire day in the cabin um by myself but i was also feeling uh very affected mental health wise by that idea just being alone and um and i did make the decision of joining in this feast and and really knowing that you know i was there you know to partake with the other residents who were these lovely people um to be able to share my perspectives and to you know have them heard and and really you know echoed back um by uh by the people who mattered <laughs> whom i had connected with during the, the the residency um and yeah i was able to really embrace the complexity of this one of my best friends um really my brother in, in this world christian introduced this phrase in my life which is keep it complex and it's really helped me in still holding on to what i feel and what i believe in um but to acknowledge that in the realm of survival it's less about making compromise and more about just acknowledging the big picture of you know where we've been you know where have we been dropped in 
the context of things what is our role in you know where we decide to dwell where you know circles we decide to move in um the resources we decide to benefit from these are all decisions that we make so um we do the best we can and we move forward with this knowledge but it is always imperfect and complex so i wanted to really convey as much of that as possible with excessiva and the title really acknowledging the privilege of being in a situation uh of an artist in residence at mcdowell in you know the beautiful woods of like peterborough new hampshire and having you know food delivered to me you know pretty much every day so i can create and being grateful for this but also acknowledging that this is um in the big picture something not right <laughs> right yeah um and so you know so what do you do with you know with you know, situations like this you know you can do a number of things you cannot engage in them or you know if it's something that is going to help in your survival what do you do with that opportunity and this is where i developed you know work like excessiva um other works as well i was also developing um this 12-hour composition called Canto de Todes, which I debuted early this year hmm. at the Red Cat in Los Angeles. And it's a touring production that um, uh, mutates with every incarnation and counts on um, collaborations with local artists. And it's ultimately this traveling queer, brown, uh, migrant pod uh, that is about infecting every space that it lands in and mm -hmm. space in which people can come and project their own emotions, their own frustrations, their own joys. Um, and this is the kind of work that I was developing at McDowell, you know, work that I, you know, I feel is, you know, is about, you know, creating and upkeeping spaces for healing and for sharing in a solidarity that keeps us moving forward and is all about pushing through this slowly but very visibly crumbling wall of white uh, hetero supremacy and, mm. um, and that is always the intent to me there is only one super villain in this world and it's exactly that um mm -hmm. and you know again uh i am imperfect <laughs> but i you know i'm i'm doing i feel what i feel is the best i can and um and excessivo was one of several projects that i created um at mcdowell uh with this intent right on dorian that was amazing um i listened to this record first without any context whatsoever just as the audio and trying to lean into the circumstance without having any idea what was going on. The second listen, I read the text, and now my third phase with this release will be imbued with the context you've just given there, which is really wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so we should go to your important records now. So one question I like to ask here is, 
how you thought about the word important when coming up with your list of three records. So was there a way you understood the word important in order to come up with the list of three records that you did? To me, I I go off of a feeling. I'm a very feeling-oriented person. And in the moment that you introduce the, the... the prompt of important records i went off of what i felt in that moment and trusted in that and these three records popped up almost simultaneously in my mind and once i typed them into the email response i realized that yes i do stand by these three records and of course they're you know three in a sea of records that have impacted me and am thus hold an important role um or an important place in my heart and um and these are just three of those records and the you know they're records that have um that have influenced me that have uh nourished my damaged soul (laughs) that have (laughs) um brought me joy that have just you know brought me a put me in a in a state of serenity um and yes all very uh feelings oriented so that is uh what i went off of uh when you sent me that prompt awesome so i don't know if you had an order in mind uh is there one you want to go with first i guess we can go in the order that i sent them to you um if i recall correctly i believe the first one was uh, The Sinking of the Titanic by Gavin Bryars. Mm, yeah, okay, great. So maybe start by giving me a little introduction as to why this one's important to you. So one of my dearest friends in the whole world, really my sister, uh, Joe Pop, lives in London. And Joe Pop and I have been very close for a very long time. Uh, Joe Pop is someone who knows, absorbs, lives, breathes, adores music more than most people that I know. And over the years, he's had this practice of creating mixed CDs for people, um, be it as part of an event or or for friends. And he will uh, create a label for the CD and, uh, you know, you know, print out a sleeve that's made out of like this beautiful collage work that he's done for years. And, it's such a wonderful care package to receive. And there was one year that he sent me, I believe it was three mix CDs and they were all covering um, really different. I wouldn't say genres, really more like uh, cultural pop spaces and time. And one of them I was, um, and so he really loves he loves rock and roll. He is he is the uh, the king of rock. He loves <laughs> he loves rock and roll. You know, we're talking like you know fifties, sixties, just re- you know, really like this encyclopedic knowledge, but really more of just this appreciation for rock and roll. So he sent me um, one of the compilations was not quite rock and roll. It was. Um, there were a lot of like very avant-garde works. Um, and it was, I believe it was a compilation that he had made for his friend, Jonathan, who loves, um, who, as he put in the liner notes, you know, for Jonathan, who loves this sort of thing. 
<laughs> and I really loved that because it, you know, on the one hand, acknowledge that this was something out, you know, out, outside of like, you know, the typical realm that, you know, that Joe Pop um, appreciates for himself and, you know, puts out in the world, like, you know, but, but really stuff, you know, stuff that he uh, also finds interesting. Um, and one of the, one of the tracks on this compilation was um, Jesus' Blood Never Failed Me Yet by Gavin Bryars. And I remember being just, it, it, so it's, this was an edited down version that includes a vocal at the end uh, by Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing this and just being so struck at how, how you know like how genius it was and in, in its minimalism um but that it really you know like from a feelings perspective really hit uh something very profound in me and i heard this one track over and over and and i cried i cried i cried i cried it was this you know this this frail you know, tremulous voice, you know, of an elderly man singing the phrase, Jesus' blood never failed me yet, never failed me yet, Jesus' blood never failed me yet. And it was just so, so gorgeous. And I remember, mm. like, like just, you know, to me, it's like, it's like the root of folk music. It's the root of of popular music this type of repetition that is also linked to spirituality um to the practice of you know of a shared ritual with people where there is repetition out of a need to connect and what that does for us individually and this is what this you know song did for me and and i looked it up and you know realized that there is a longer version of it um that didn't have the Tom Waits uh, voice at the end. And I love, love, love Tom Waits, but for some reason I really prefer the version without his voice. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's the version on um, what I later discovered is the album, The Sinking of the Titanic, um, the B side of it, actually. The Sinking of the Titanic, I I heard afterwards, and that, and that is just, you know, extraordinary. It's just beautiful, beautiful composition. Then also really... Um, communicate something to to the heart and i love that it doesn't in my perspective seek out a very specific listener but rather if you're able to uh, experience any feeling you know any emotional reaction to it then you know this is work created for you and i'm a fan of that type of work that's the type of work that i set out to make you know i mean i'm not making for specific ears or you know a a specific you know bracket of you know of higher education like to me that is just it's it's bullshit (laughs) and (laughs) um and you know i i know the joy that music brings to me you know, in the realm of emotion. And that's what I want to share with people, like, Mm. you know, what I feel and, you know, you know, the, the life-saving joy that 
I get from music, you know, not to be dramatic, but it is really life-saving over and over. Like, yeah. how could you not want to share that sensation that, you know, that like elated level of joy? And that's really what I get from, at this point, both those compositions on Gavin Breyer's own. Um, and I recently treated myself to a vinyl copy of it. Um, and I asked my husband, should I get it? Like I have, I have it on digital and he's like, absolutely. Like you know, <laughs> he encouraged me. He's like, yes, definitely. Um, cause it's, and then, you know, of course it, it becomes a moment and a more, uh, you know, like pronounced and precious moment to play it on, you know, on your turntable and to sit with it mm. and, you know, in the same way that I, you know, that I sat with the recording of Exorciva, it's, you know, it, it's abandoning the idea of, you know, having a background something to accompany whatever action you're doing. It's like, no, sit in this moment and don't feel like you have to think about other things or multitask your life, you know, into every nook and cranny and rather just sit and have it be your breath and music and sound and just let that do what it needs to do. And I feel that there's where the healing is to really like just lower your defenses of having to be uh productive uh constantly even productive in in the form of absorbing information and how you know how we're just getting accustomed to that more and more and how exhausting that is just to sit with a record to sit with a sound and how your breathing reacts to that and ultimately how you're left feeling afterwards like that is oh that is that is the, that is the joint that you smoke at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's it, it it's that precious rare treat that um, I'm grateful to enjoy, and and certainly this album brings me that. From what I've gathered from that anecdote, because this piece, the sinking of the Titanic, um, as well as Jesus' blood, as you've just said, exists in multiple versions. Uh, have you heard the various versions of the sinking of the Titanic or is there like one you have a specific affinity for? It sounds like the one that you're talking about is the original. Was it about 25 to 30 minutes? Correct. Yes. That's, that is the only version I know of the sinking of the Titanic. Um, I should uh, seek out other versions. Uh, but again, that came from uh, being enamored with Jesus blood never failed me yet. And I've heard live versions of that, which are really really striking but i remember uh being really really uh it was a really bad day at one of the day jobs that i used to hold many years ago and it was just a rotten day and i went on this hike um and it was like like an hour-long hike and the entire way i listened to jesus blood never failed me yet on a loop oh. and it was you know, not, not the most, you know, motivating uh, music to, you know, feel the burn, as they say. Um, 
but I, I needed this hike to be something else. And I knew that I was already getting my endurance, uh, my physical endurance and, you know, going uphill. It was, you know, it was a particularly mm. steep hike going up to the Griffith observatory in Los Angeles. And, and it was, um, it was late afternoon and, I remember reaching uh, the Griffith Observatory, uh, and it has this gorgeous view of Los Angeles up on top. And that's like that's the treat that I, you know, that I give myself after every hike. When I do that hike, is to be able to, you know, look at the city from this incredible distance. And and I remember just standing there and like listening to the way, you know that piece like peaks and and it's such a gradual peak that it was i remember just bawling my eyes out looking <laughs> out to the city as the sun's going down and there's tourists all around me and you know just really not caring that anyone's staring <laughs> or you know people might even be recording on their phones this you know <laughs> this hot sweaty mess like weeping over the city but I, <laughs> i'm like this is this is my moment this is my little cocoon no one else matters <laughs> i am getting what i need to out of this and um <clears throat> and so that's specifically that piece off of that album is really what you know is really the one that hits me um the sinking of the titanic is 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 gorgeous um and i've you know i you know, I've played it for my husband and he um I feel like he really loves that one more. Um so um it's yeah, I I I feel like overall it's you know it's it's a beautiful instance of one complementing the other. Um and it's to know that I have it on vinyl now, just you know, it is it, it's almost like a little um you know, in case of emergency, break glass type of thing. <laughs> like, if my anxiety is like is really spiking, then I can put this on and know that I, you know, I can do this for myself and it will work. Mm. Play this to sit with it, um, and to sit with both sides and and know that this is in that moment my only obligation to just sit with this. This is the only thing I'm obligated to do. That is that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. I've seen a video of you doing a piano rendition of Jesus Blood. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because it's been a while since I heard the piece. And what felt really interesting about yours, and you can tell me whether this is true, but it felt like that you'd moved the tonality of of the piece so that that initial chord is like a very potent minor key um mm -hmm. whereas the gavin Bryars version has this sort of more major um slow and very sad but kind of an opulence to it yours was yeah such a different hue uh could you tell me a bit about that it was i, I know it was a few years ago but do you remember kind of what moved you to do that cover and to take it in that direction as well? I do. I This was back in 2019. Um, I was participating in 
my dear friend David Coulter's project, um, Swordfish Trombones Revisited, which was a this epic tribute to Tom Waits's Swordfish Trombones, and we did three performances of it um, in London, Dublin, and Paris. And I believe this was on the last night uh, in Paris, and and I really, you know, that there were so many wonderful musicians uh, that were participating in this project, and I had really bonded with with David. Um, like we had been like you know just communicating for years, and this was actually uh, on this project was the first time that we met in person, and um, and we really bonded. Like I love him so so much, um, and <clears throat> we were you know of course talking a lot about Tom Waits uh, during our time, and um, and at one point we did talk about uh, Jesus Blood Never Failed Me Yet, and. And we were thinking about like like maybe me doing another song as um as an encore from another album and i had you know i had toyed with the idea of doing this but i ended up doing um earth died screaming instead which i had covered many years ago and um so i just had a hunger to do this one song but i was fiddling around with this piano um uh, at the theater that we presented um uh, the show in Paris and there were like some artists were just hanging out. And um, I think this was like, maybe like an hour before performance. And, and I was just fiddling around on the piano and I forgot what I was playing before that, but I didn't sit down to, as I recall, I didn't sit down to purposefully record, uh, perform much less record the song. And, and it just somehow I played something else that segued into that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I I had never played it before, and I was just you know fiddling around, and and it was uh, it just struck me like in that moment that it worked, and mm. you know I, I I'm always you know you know as <laughs> as someone who's always a little dark, like you know I'm a fan of um, you know of fucking with a piece, you know by by putting in a little minor here, like. <laughs> An unexpected major there, uh, lots of fifths, um, and <laughs> um, and I just you know I really just let it flow, and I hit record on my phone, and I just propped it right down the side of the piano, and just started playing it over and over. Um, at one point, my friend Anya, who is the in- incredible artist on the soap and skin, walked in, and like you might see her like briefly appear in the video and like you know we just kind of acknowledged each other with a smile as i was and i just kept playing and it was really such a joyful moment um where i'm just playing the song and i just decided to put it up there because i was very happy with how it turned out and knowing you know the place that this song is you know you know has held in my heart and and to be surrounded by these incredible artists and to do like that you know the tom waits music this you know amazing album um it it was really a manifestation of that and and yes a distorted you know version of the original composition in that respect but i feel the nature of popular music and i do consider uh jesus blood ever filled me yet as popular music that is my own opinion um I feel that what we can allow for ourselves in the appreciation of it is to take liberties with it. Mm. And 
that is i feel the root of folk music and certainly folk is popular music and this is how like you hear songs transform over the ages and you know it's all you know it's all changed based on uh, perception on you know contextual history on historical context uh should i say and um and how you know compositions mutate as they should um they mm. reflect the times that we live in and um and this was just like a little mutation of it and you know if anyone would ever want to take that version and do something with it like if they're welcome to and just as i've taken liberties with other people's work and done the same thing mm. um i am honored when people take my work and do that i'm you know i'm not a purist in that sense i i think music is you know it is meant to be shared it's meant to be manipulated and um and chopped up and reinterpreted and made into other people's visions and you know and communicated through their voices and not just you know their literal voices but just you know their you know what comes from their own personal trajectory that voice that's the most powerful thing that we can share of ourselves so um so yes i i believe you know that it should be free reign for everyone like every piece of music like you know re regardless of how you know the lengths to which like you know prince's estate for example like you know wants to go to protect <laughs> his music and his legacy like i mean if it's about like you know protecting it from you know from capitalism then it's like you know how do we defeat capitalism rather than prohibit you know you know kids living in small towns like you know wanting to you know do a cover um you know mm. for their friends you know and obviously not like you know monetize you know in, in a lucrative manner like off of this music but it's like you know how can we share music and have that be you know the norm and you know and however people want to interpret it there's no right or wrong way there's no desecrating or ruining anything it's interpretation and it's I, anyway i i'm i'm you know a firm believer in that and some people may disagree but you know wow. i feel fully liberated in that <laughs> yeah oh gavin wasn't the one singing <laughs> the peace jesus blood right so that's an extrapolation to begin with so um indeed Dorian, let's go to your second important record. I scrambled them in my sheet clearly now, so I can't recall which one you sent as the second album. Can you remember? Sure, absolutely. I believe it was Nearly God. Okay. By Nearly God. <laughs> Great. Okay, fabulous. So, same as before, if you could give me an introduction as to why this one's important to you, that'd be fab. So Nearly God was an album that was introduced to me by a former friend of mine. We were no longer friends. 
but I do appreciate him having introduced me to this album. And it was at a time uh, in the 90s, early 2000s, I forgot which, I think it was late 90s. I, this is where I'm a little fuzzy on. Um, mm -hmm. And trip hop was, you know, everywhere. It was it was a very exciting time um, for music in general, for, you know, I, and and like trip hop was to me like very exciting. And, and my friend told me about this this album along the lines of trip hop that was you know that was essentially a tricky album and i loved tricky um i love massive attack as well and and you know i was at that point you know a, a fan of you know max and quay and and then pre-millennium tension uh by tricky and um and he's like have you heard of nearly god i'm like i haven't and he played me this song um from that album uh which is keep your mouth shut and he didn't really like introduce a song he's like i'm just going to play you this song and he played it for me and it just blew my mind it was so weird and <laughs> dark and layered and and also bjork you know yeah and like and and, and i'm like wait but this is wait is this like a is this a remix um of uh you've been flirting again by bjork and he's like no no it is this is not a remix and i'm like oh whoa what is this and it was just it was so bizarre it was so bizarre to me and i remember hearing it and and vibing so strongly with it and then every other song on that album you know i really perceived in that in that way just to me it's an extremely dark album it's very very murky and and a, a little um a little despair driven and like I, mm. I i love it i love it so much because it's 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 also very um like even by tricky's standards like at the time he was doing some really interesting work um but this was even more intricate um in the way of you know of production and you know the artists that you know he had participating in these you know these beats that just like shifted um in tempo um that were replete with uh in like these interruptions these like this these distorted like just uh, aggressive disruptions like you know in these songs that just made sense and there's a wonderful version of black coffee on that album um mm. And this other wonderful song called Poems, that's just, oh, it's really, it's so gorgeous. I mean, that whole album is is a mood. It's It, it really, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it is definitely one to just like shut all the lights off, again, to sit with this album. And it's not a relaxing journey, but it's also not a stressful one. It's, it, it's stimulating. It's very, very stimulating. Um, but it's a definitely a mood. Uh, I and it's it's really influenced my work in um, embracing the idea that something doesn't have to be, you know, of uh, you know of a, a specific vibe, a specific genre, a specific anything. That the whole mystery of creating this alternate project called Nearly God. And of course, the audacity of like referring to yourself as that is <laughs> joyous. It's so, 
delicious um <laughs> the audacity uh but i yeah i i, I love the you know, yeah that you, you know you can really like dwell in mysticism in this way and share that with others and welcome others into this mystical intent and uh and have it be, be just so interesting to to be in the space time and time again. I mean, certainly this album has been that for me for many years. So yeah, that's, that is a banger as the kids say. <laughs> I think, feel like you've kind of answered this question, but you mentioned first coming into it in the late nineties, early two thousands. Actually, I'm going to go with a different question first. Uh, when you think back to those times, first acquainting yourself with this record like what kind of places and experiences and memories come into your head when you think to that initial period of discovering nearly god oh struggle <clears throat> right it was a period of struggle i was in my late 20s early 30s and Coming into my own as an adult, as a queer person, um, and trying to be as independent and on top of things as possible and feeling like I was failing miserably at every turn, feeling lost, but also experiencing you know, these wonderfully exciting um adventure moments in life doing things that were dangerous risky um but there was a rush that i would get from um having lots and lots of anonymous sex for example i remember that um mm. and i was living in this this incredible uh one-bedroom apartment in the, uh, the neighborhood of silver lake in la and I was paying really cheap rent for it and I was living next to my friend at the time. And then it was taken over by my cousin. So there was always somebody that I knew and loved living next door. And so I never felt fully alone. And yet I, you know, just was so out of control. I was drinking heavily almost every day. I was like smoking tons of weed. I, again, having so much like risky anonymous sex. Um, and, mm. and it, the apartment was quite literally falling apart. Like there were termites, there were rats, there were roaches. There were, um, it was, you know, it, it was, <laughs> it was that song by Pulp was a mile, mile end. I think <laughs> is that song from the, from train spotting. It was very much that it was just this really, just this wreck of, of an apartment, but it was gorgeous too, though. It was like the, the walls were like bright blue and the ceiling was fire engine red and <laughs> there were these and i painted hundreds of little hands squiggling down from the ceiling onto the wall the so the whole thing was just this acid trip and i i and my friends would find garbage on the street that looked interesting and they'd bring it to my house and i would just nail it to the wall so there was like <laughs> garbage and toys and pictures and just covering every inch of the wall and an old furniture that was probably just filled with bed bugs and you know <laughs> you know a broken tv and it was just really it, 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 i lived in a dump 
but right, it, was, right. it, it was it was a very interesting dump <laughs> and <clears throat> very much a reflection of my interesting dump of a life <laughs> uh, that was um really like just chaotic and uh and also like just struggling to make a living and you know and and like eating like ramen noodles almost every night and then like saving enough money where I can just splurge on like just tons of food and just really unhealthy lifestyle. So this music just, you know, was like the perfect soundtrack for all of this, you know, just dark and complex and murky and, you know, just dirty. It was like, I mean, it's just filthy, mm. filthy music. Um, and I mean that in just, you know, not in a negative way just to you know you know f- filth as in uh, something that you know reminds one of like you know certain like stenches and that can you know that are just familiar um so really like you know like filth as a reality rather than as as, as something that is derogatory or you know negative in any way um and this you know this was you know it just seemed like you know it, it aligned with you know every way in which you know i allowed my bathroom to accumulate black mold and never did anything about it until i moved out and that you know, <laughs> that's that was just the reality of um of how i lived um and this was like you know for about like five or six years um but the, the, this is definitely one of the albums that comes to mind. So when I think of, you know, the album Nearly God, I, you know, I can smell it. I can smell that album because like, it brings back all these memories. And now I'm in a place where I can look back on this and, you know, and, you know, from a healthy perspective and like not like an admonishing perspective, just, you know, like this was just who I was. This is part of my trajectory. Um, I'm very happy where I am now. I'm certainly much healthier. Um the help healthier mindset and you know just definitely better surroundings um you know, more structured and safe surroundings and um and i'm able to really look back on this album as you know just again a reality of what once was um and appreciate it from that perspective too do you still listen to it now uh, not as frequently as I used to, but I, you know, once I, once it came to my mind, I started, I revisited it. Like, you know, I was driving, uh, to this, uh, show with my friend last night and I was telling him about this podcast I was going to do with you. And, and I told him that this was one of the albums and I played him, keep your mouth shut. And, and he, he loved it. And, and I was like, Oh my God, I haven't heard this in so long. Um, this is, yeah, this is actually really good. This really, really, really still, uh, has a lot of weight and um so I, yeah i will uh I'll, I'll definitely be revisiting it again um it's not streaming anywhere that's the thing like it's not on excuse me it's not it's i believe it's on youtube like as far as like streaming so um and i love that i love that like you know it doesn't music doesn't have to be like at our you know at our at our immediate reach i mean like like come on like you know how how could any of us ever fathom this would be a thing um <laughs> And it is now, and 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 you know we get upset when it isn't. We're like, what do you mean it's on Spotify? Like you know, then what doesn't exist then? I mean, it's it's I oh it's it's yeah it's it's annoying. It's annoying to to have to shed that type of perspective on music all of a sudden, knowing mm-hmm. how 
precious it was to find an album in a record store and how important that was, uh, how it just took over the entire day. This, you know, this great fortune of finding an album that you really wanted and the preciousness of going back home and listening to it. Uh, yeah, like there, yeah, that is gone with Spotify, gone with Apple Music, gone, just gone. Um, mm-hmm. So to, you know, to have something like that with Nearly God, I'm like, oh, no, I actually have to seek this out. And because I got rid of this CD, God knows how long ago. Um, so I had to find it. And maybe I'll spurge on vinyl and like, and that'll, you know, that'll be a pretty penny. But, you know, I need to make it special. Certainly mm-hmm. this out. Um, so grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got one more important album so again if you could give me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well um so that would be uh george michael's listen without prejudice volume one uh so when you gave me the prompt for important albums and that you asked for three I knew immediately that one of them will always, always, always be this album. Because huh. it's always like, you know, like the top 10 albums, if I ever had to give any. And when you asked me to give the top three, and like that just really, you know, that put me again, like, you know, in an investigative mode to like, you know, as, as to what I was feeling in that moment. But I knew, like, okay, what other two? Because one of them will obviously have to be George Michael's Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1. I was living in in Costa Rica at the time. Um, I was in high school when this album came out, and I remember hearing the song "Praying for Time" on the radio, and like r- the lyrics to this song um, are are really, in my in my opinion, like the among the most powerful, most emotionally intelligent words ever committed to paper by anyone and the way they're delivered the way he delivers these lyrics and this song you know or it's like you know it's like a sermon on the mount mm-hmm. but even beyond that it's it's you know it's a desperate shaman just exasperated like screaming at the sky screaming at everyone anyone who'll listen but from such an ancestral intelligence almost i mean to, i mean when i first heard this song it shook me and i i just i couldn't believe and and the production like the arrangements like you know i'm like what is this this is <laughs> this is not you know that this is not you know i want your sex george michael like this is <laughs> not, what is this what is this and of course as a you know angst-ridden teenager like you know the you know the 
the frustration that he conveys in this song and the defiance of like, you know, just clearly communicating to record labels, but really the world and like the hypocrisy of respectability and all of these things. I, it was just, you know, I was on board with whatever sect George Michael was starting <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> You know, just really, like, just lead me, lead me to whatever <laughs> precipice you want us to jump off. <laughs> like, I am, I am on board a hundred percent, and and I'm like, I can't wait to see the video, and there was no video, and I'm like, what? What uh, the hell is it? And instead, I'm like, oh my god, there is a video, but it's only the lyrics. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? Like, you're a pop star. What are you doing? And. Then he puts out this album, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume One, and it's and at that point, like you know, I was you know I I was already like obsessed at that time with uh, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, eighteen fourteen. I was I was a pop kid. I was definitely a pop kid. But that album, um, like George Michael's Listen Without Prejudice, Volume One, um, had like in you know in the sleeve like this very relatable uh, color palette of, you know, black, white, and gray. And as someone who was like pop, but also like, you know, dark, as dark as she wanted to be, or as she knew how to be in that moment, hmm. um, I, it, it's, it's like, oh, okay, I can, I can love something that is seemingly lighthearted and not lose my edge type of thing and, <laughs> and i was you know this was i mean this yeah i was like 16 17 um really you know such a baby and you know not exposed to like you know the dialogue <laughs> diabolical goodness that i love today um <laughs> but this was um but i remember this album like you know um listen without prejudice as really this big like fuck you to the world um that was also danceable that was also you know just extremely soulful and this this work of art from from beginning to end this like the songwriting was just like top notch the you know his glorious voice um you know his version of um they won't go when i go by stevie wonder um mm. it's, it's you know it's it sounds like it's like, you know, it was recorded in like these catacombs. It's just, it's so, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's so grimy. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the, it, it's, it's just really like just beyond like genre, even like this. And like some of these songs are like a little folky and a little like just, you know, a little RB, but it's, <laughs> mm. um, it's really, uh, this bizarre like lament and also this like desperate need to to break out of a mold um all things that were really like speaking to me as you know as a teenager who hated themselves so much and hated everything um and i you know and i found a voice for my troubles through this album uh so strongly and it's still to me like such an untouchable album. Like I, I don't see how it could ever be improved on by anyone, you know, unless they're just like, you know, I don't like remastered or like in, in that realm. But just like to me, it's just so, so precious, such a precious, holy thing. This album um, that I can that I actually still hear this album 
it like tremendously and and it you know it's it's you know it's it speaks to me from a healing place it speaks to me you know from uh you know a place to you know of of never like feeling fully comfortable in in, in the situation of, of you know and the way things are going certainly for you know for queer people um never being comfortable with what's being dealt to us um mm. ever fully accepting the invitation into in a place of inclusion when that is you know an, an invitation into someone's someone else's home that will never be ours and not be satisfied with that but rather you know how do we create spaces for ourselves that rise above you know any acceptance from anyone or anything um but rather how do we acknowledge that we are eternal that we have been here from the very beginning of you know conceived time um and that, that is the truth um anyone who wants to ex extend an invitation to us you know is deluding themselves and you know and that theirs is the only way mm. and to me like you know emotionally george michael really embodied that in that moment in that like he was you know he was rebelling against his label he didn't want to do videos he didn't want to use his physical image um to sell anything this was you know this was an anti-album and you know and i i still like i still carry that spirit with me um and so much of it at that time was fed by this album by what he was putting out there and you know i i think of queer kids today and you know who are still feeling that you know who's who are still feeling a semblance of of you know of of that and you know and much more magnified you know if we're talking about you know just trans kids who you know who, you know who are who just want to live but rather are being forced to um uh to plead their case for existence mm -hmm. and that that is just that that won't do that just won't won't do and and yeah so i think you know i really every like you know every you know bit of music that i create and certainly like you know where i derive influence from carries that you know very strongly at the forefront that it's um, it's acknowledging the you know the complexity of the world around us um but you know what do we do with, with what's been uh presented to us as a norm um how do we defy it like you know and you know be it like you know uh you know like just you know distorting uh you know, distorting a sample of you know of, of an elderly man singing um by mm. creating something more like emotionally profound or you know or just you know or like you know disrupting uh you know trip hop you know and creating this like mystical moniker that like you know that beckons something darker in all of us to like you know to you know to come forth like you know or like how do we take pop music and and you know and make it not about you know appeasing you know corporate pop structures um and and still live in the complexity of collecting a check at the end of the day mm -hmm. uh, you know and i you know i take these three albums and i apply them to my own complexity and and feel them and you know and listen to them and see them through a very queer 
gender fluid lens, um, which is the one I have. And it's the truth I know. And it's the truth I feel that I have always known, the one that I will always know. And the complexity, again, keep it complex that I <laughs> rely on, um, which is why I feel like these three albums are so incredibly diverse to many. To me, they're, you know, they're part of the same network. They're part of the same fabric. Um, and um, they make sense to me in, in a way that doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. And that's the beauty of individuality and and how do we embrace that in everyone and uphold that for everyone, even if it looks different for everyone. These are the days of the empty hand Oh, you hold on to what you can This is the year of the building man You tell him that you take the stand And you find that what was over there I've got one more question for you which is about how you bring music into your life uh, I feel like you've kind of addressed this throughout the conversation but what are your preferred formats? Where do you go to buy music? Uh, yeah, tell me a bit about what that looks like for you. Uh, to me, it's all, um, so much of it is through friends. Somebody will be like, have you heard blank? Oh, you like that? Have you? Well, well, have you heard blank? And I think you would like blank. And I'm like, okay. If it's something that like, you know, will literally cost me like, 10 seconds out of my data research and <laughs> and sample then you know that you know that to me is you know it's 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 nothing it's like of course yes i mean i, I will i'll listen it may not be something that i'm into or it may be something that will just put me on this specific you know trajectory that i wasn't expecting and music and has done that for me over and over and it's really always been through through others um i'm not a real i'm not really uh the type that goes and seeks out new things based on things that i love or or curiosity but like you know but rather what the prompt by someone else um and as far as buying music you know i i if it's not like in physical form you know i you know definitely band camp i'm like i i love band camp i there's music on Bandcamp that isn't on streaming anywhere, and um, mm-hmm. there's uh, there's so so much incredible music on Bandcamp. Um, a lot of like reissue stuff, a lot of new work. Um, you know, like love, like you know, like all the things on Dragon's Eye recordings, for example, of course. Um, mm-hmm. and Room 40 Unseen World is a great label too that I look for a lot of stuff um, yeah there's uh, and I will always go to Bandcamp first that's that's how I go about it Wicked. okay Dorian thank you so so much this has been amazing uh, like I say I love having my relationship with Exesiva now imbued with such 
rich context um, and also these three important records as well. It's been wonderful to hear about your connection with them. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Shaka. It's been really wonderful to be here. And to everyone listening, see you next time. Goodbye.